Welcome to the I Love Alt Mortgages podcast, brought to you by Home Trust. And now, your host, Brennan Trenuth. Hey, Broker Nation. On this episode, I'm joined by Daniel Finkelberg, mortgage agent at Clear Trust Mortgages. Daniel joins us today to talk about his transition from the minors to the majors of mortgages and how his strong work ethic, peers, and partners have attributed to his early career success. Plus, we dive into his amazing podcast, Excellence of Execution, where he explores how to build a sustainable book of business in a million different fashions. Hey, Broker Nation. This is I Love Alt Mortgages. This is your host, Brennan Trenuth. And today I am speaking with Daniel Finkelberg from DLC Clear Trust Mortgages. And Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. So obviously you're a mortgage agent with Clear Trust, but maybe you want to just let us know a little bit more about your journey so far within the mortgage industry, maybe a little bit more of a background of anything that you did before jumping into the mortgage industry. No, sure. hundred percent. So I come from a background of institutional banking. I entered the mortgage business quite young. It was actually my first full-time job and it kind of fell on my lap, the mortgage side, because when I went to university, I was studying finance, economics, and strategy, and I was hopefully going to go into investment banking. And when it came to the point of actually you know, signing that contract, I decided I'm not going to have somebody chain me to a desk for 18 hours a day and tell me what I'm worth. And at that same time, I was working as a part-time uh, financial advisor at one of the big six banks here in Canada. And an opportunity arises itself to become a mobile mortgage specialist with this particular bank. It was a full commission role. I was living at home with my family and I thought it was the right time to make the move. Being the ambitious young man that I am, I hit the ground running with really, really strong support in terms of management and I've never looked back. So I worked institutionally for about two years as a mobile mortgage specialist. Before that, I worked two years in various roles starting as a teller, but I was put to work at a very young age. My father is a big proponent of, you know, work ethic and, you know, earning everything that you want. So he put me to work very, very, very young. I worked at Tim Hortons actually for like seven years before I got into banking. So if you, you know, need a double-double, I'm your guy. <laughs> so yeah, so I jumped into being a mobile mortgage specialist that year. I was nominated to be the rookie of the year within that bank. And it really gave me my footing to become the man and mortgage agent that I am today. So fast forward two years as a mortgage specialist with that specific institution, I made the jump over to Clear Trust Mortgages as a mortgage agent. I think it's natural progression. I feel as though being at the bank is kind of like playing in the minors. And then, you know, when you graduate to the broker space, you're like playing in the majors now, right? You can become a real trendsetter and game changer in the space. And the broker space gives you the freedom to do so. And naturally, you know, when you service a certain amount of clients, and they return back to you and you're only offering a certain amount of products, it becomes challenging because you can't spread the risk out evenly. So it becomes a little bit of a challenge to, you know, fulfill all your clients' needs, which is where I was getting to. So now I've been a mortgage agent for about, I think, two years and change. So total, this will be my fifth year in January as a mortgage professional. And it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I I feel like one of the luckiest guys in the world. You know, I wake up every morning. If anybody's listening to my podcast, which we'll talk about in a bit, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning with the biggest smile on my face. I don't grunt and say, oh, I got to go to work. I'm just thrilled. And it's just given me such an opportunity to, you know, do what I love every single day. And I'm thankful for it. So you're definitely part of the 5 a.m. club then, eh? 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And obviously you stated that, you know, you started off very early in the industry as well. We see a lot of agents at different points in their life and careers where they're, you know, coming into the mortgage industry, wanting to be an agent and et cetera. So what kind of challenges did you immediately run into just kind of jumping over into the mortgage agent role being so young, right? So there were different challenges for me to get into the mortgage specialist role than there are into the mortgage age role. So I think I want to focus on the mortgage specialist role, which would be the same challenges for anybody entering the mortgage broker space brand new, right? So, you know, my mother always said I had the face for radio. So if you guys release this as like as a video, uh, <laughs> people will think I'm 44, but I'm actually in my late 20s. So the mature look obviously was a help for me, but a really key component for me because of the lack of experience in both life and corporate culture and mortgages, I had to become the absolute expert in not only mortgages, but in the market of mortgages. So I studied the broker kit. I think I read it a thousand times. I think I picked the brain of the top 35 mortgage specialists within that institution. I asked my manager to connect me with all of them. I really took it upon myself to become the best of the best so that I can give value to my clients so that there's never a question of whether I'm too young to be handling their financing. So that was the biggest challenge I had is to how do I overcome somebody saying, this is a kid, how am I going to let him do my financing? So I took it upon myself to become the absolute expert in the space, the absolute expert in mortgages, so I can provide that value to the client. Secondly, I wanted to deliver with conviction. I wanted to speak with confidence. I didn't want to be perceived as somebody who doesn't know what he's talking about. So I had to train myself to be able to speak with conviction and confidence. And this is something that took a lot of time. There was a lot of practice. You know, my father would sit down in his office and I would sit in front of him and just talk mortgages with him as if he's a client, just to prepare myself. And thirdly, which I think is very, very, very important. I never lied to anybody. If I didn't know the answer, I didn't try to come up with an answer. I said, I don't know for sure. I'd like to circle back with somebody that will know for sure and get back to you. And when I gave somebody my word that I will get back to them, I always did. So those three key things really helped me right in the beginning to become the mature mortgage professional that I am today. And I think those are three really important pieces of advice that you just gave there too, for anybody that's, you know, looking to jump into the mortgage world, the mortgage industry. I mean, it does take a lot of work and effort that you have to put in to become the best that you want to be. And, you know, you don't want to half ass it per se, like you don't want to just do things half, but you know, you really want to put in that work and dedication. Obviously in 2020, you saw that kind of come to fruition, all your hard work kind of paid off. You were nominated as one of the CMPs rising stars in 2020. So obviously you worked very hard for that, but ultimately, why do you think that you were selected for that award? Well, I think there's a few components that make up the reason why I was selected for that award. I think obviously volume is a key component in that. I think they look at high producing agents within a certain age. So I think that had a lot to play with it, but there's two other key components that I find that are maybe more underlying than maybe just the volume. I think that, you know, the people around me and even from surrounding brokerages and my brokers alike have found value in, you know, picking my brain when it comes to certain positioning or certain activity management practices 
or certain activities that they're doing that are not maybe working to the best of their abilities or just finding out what they can do to help. And I'm not saying I'm this crazy or this amazing sales professional because I'm not, but I've experienced a lot because the way I was groomed, let's call it, by a young man who I'll mention in a little bit is that you got to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. So I've tried everything, right? And they don't call me the excellence of execution for no reason, right? I will do whatever it takes and I will execute as far as I can until I see the results come through. So I think my peers took it upon themselves to nominate me for all the hard work. I know you guys can't see this, but my door is just to the left of me. And there's typically a lineup of, you know, 15, 16 people on any given day, just to, you know, Dan, can I get a minute? Dan, can I get a minute? I try to limit the get a minute meetings, but nevertheless, I think they found value in that. And secondly, one of the most important things to me, and one of the biggest assets I have is you guys, partners. And I try my best to make it as seamless as possible and try to give, you know, the best packaging of files to you guys to make the process seamless enough that we can do the volume of business that we do. And I think my partners, especially Home Trust, have found value in that and have decided to nominate me for that as well. So I think it's all encompassing volume, peers and partners that have allowed me to become CMPs rising star in 2020. And hopefully, God willing, this year, I'll be in the CMP's top 75. I think it's Canada or Ontario. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I do want to touch on something that you said a little bit earlier. And obviously, in your previous role before you became a mortgage agent, you know, you're probably limited to what you could offer your clients and you were looking for something a bit more where you could be more of a full service person, right? How important today for you is the alternative mortgage space to your overall, you know, offering that you can, you know, offer to your clients? So I'll give you the short answer, but then I want to give you some context. So it's absolutely crucial. Without it, I might as well still be a banker. But when I joined, I was scared of the alternative space. I didn't want to dip my feet into it. In the first year, I think I did one B loan, and it was only as a function of the customer knowing that they needed a B loan. As I was growing and progressing as a mortgage agent, I understood that not only do I need time to, you know, groom myself to understand the policies and procedures, the rates, the fees, you know, but this is something that is adding value to my book of business. So why am I so scared of it? And it's such a challenge when you're faced with an alternative client who thinks they're an A client, because when I was at the bank, I would try to make it fit within the bank model. But sometimes it's just not the case. And when you talk about the rates and you talk about the fees, forget the lender fee. Let's talk about broker fee for a second. How do you position it? Am I getting paid by the lender? Should I be charging an extra fee? How much work is going to be involved in this? So today, it's absolutely crucial. I'm still very much, I have a dominant book of business that's A, business, but it's grown from like, let's call it 5% in my first year to I got to say at least 30% this year. And I think it'll be even more next year because, you know, the more people that are becoming self-employed with the pandemic, the more credit problems that are arising, which is super unfortunate, but we're here to help them. And the biggest thing for me is there's three things. Number one, loss of equity, right? As the market continues to appreciate and you wait to, you know, show income taxes so that you can go to the A side, you're losing out there. Secondly, It's either you pay a little bit more to the bank or you pay more to the government in income tax if you're going to be triggering more income tax. The biggest thing with alternative lending is that they're not there for life. We want to graduate them. 
But those two first items that we spoke about, the loss of equity and triggering more income tax, are only there for a short period of time. Once we can get you into the market and then show you how to be able to get out of the alternative space, you can still do all those things and you're still at a gain because you've not triggered the income tax right away. And secondly, you haven't lost the equity appreciation that's been happening in the market. So that was the third thing. So you said your book of business went from like 5% alternative. Now you're probably looking closer to 30 and possibly growing even more for next year. So obviously you have to have good relationships within the industry in order to be able to do that. You got to have long lasting relationships in this industry. So, you know, what do you think the key to building those relationships are from your perspective? So there's two pieces to that, the relationship with the lender themselves and the relationship with the referral source, right? So my referral source is coming from an institutional bank where mostly A clients, right? So I wasn't really dipping in the B space because the clients that I was dealing with were institutional clients. So I had to go out there and find referral sources that are going to allow me to layer the B business into my book as a totality. So I found the best referral source to be for B business has been accountants and trustees. So it was very important for me to find partners that were able to support me and help me help B clients. And I think there's different types and different buckets of B clients. So you have to kind of go around all those as well. And then secondly, the partnership with the lenders is so crucial. You know, I am the type of person, and I'm not sure if a lot of agents are like this, but I am the type of person that needs a direct contact with any lender. Every lender that I do heavy volume with, if you break up my book of business, I have a direct line to not only them, but the senior executive team as well, just in case. So I've worked very, very, very hard to make it known that I need somebody that I can connect with immediately. So for example, I had a very, very interesting situation two nights ago. I was sitting here with a client and a realtor calls me with another client who's putting in an offer on a property in Toronto that has been poorly managed. Now, in the MLS, it said, as is condition. The second I see as is condition on the A side, it's done. Oh, it's not done, but it's very challenging. I had to get on the phone with a BDM from Home Trust, my favorite, Kelly. Shout out to Kelly at seven o'clock at night. And she picked up the phone and she walked me through it and she helped me. And now that client is a happy home trust client. So I'm not saying that I'm calling every bank at seven o'clock at night because I'm not, but this was a circumstance where I needed somebody. And if I didn't have that direct line, that customer could have gone to somebody else who did have that line. Now, in order to have that direct line, I think there's expectations from me that are needed from the blenders. So I always commit to certain criteria when I do my business planning with every lender every single year. So if, for example, Home Trust does to me, Daniel, we want to see you commit 25 million and 40% funding ratio. And I agree to that. You will see that if not more from me. And I think that's the way I've been able to build the relationships with the lenders. And again, if you're somebody new that's starting out and you can only commit to 2 million, as long as you make that commitment and keep to your word, the lenders will allow you to have that direct line of sight and allow you to continue to do the business that you want to do with them. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good insight there. So thank you for sharing that. Now I'm going to flip the script. We're not really going to talk about, you know, mortgages anymore. I want to kind of flip it to talk about your own podcast that you have, which is called Excellence of Execution. Can you tell us a little bit about why you started a podcast? For sure. So 
the gentleman that I spoke about before, the one who hired me at TD, his name is Paul. He's actually my partner in the podcast. And we were sitting around one day working and, you know, people are coming in asking us all these questions and, you know, more so him than me because he's, you know, on the more sales side and the managing of the broker side. And he looks at me and he goes, Dan, why don't we do a podcast with two lenses? You know, one is a high producing agent, which is yourself, you know, and the second from a more like managerial kind of, you know, theory perspective where you need that theory, right? Because I can't make it up. And then you need somebody to execute it. So he's actually always called me the excellence of execution. Actually, for my birthday two years ago, he got me a t-shirt that said the excellence of execution. So really, there's a few key components to why we started the podcast. That was like a really high level reason to it. But it's to provide people in mortgages or in any sales capacity, a vision and a roadmap of how to build a successful book of business. One being, again, for me as you know, a top producer, or I like to think I am a top producer. And secondly, it's from the lens of like a more theory approach to say, here's what you need to do. And this is how you're going to get to where you want to get. And lastly, which I think is probably the most important piece is to highlight our partners and to give an opportunity for everybody's story to be heard and to give the audience a view that you can build a sustainable book of business in a million different fashions. And you can take tidbits from every single person and put it together and build what's going to make up your DNA as a mortgage or sales professional. So we have guys on the podcast, guys and gals, but guys on the podcast that have zero realtors funding $45 million a year. What? You know, like that's crazy to me, right? Yeah. Like my business is fully built on referral sources. I've worked my butt off to build those relationships. These guys are coming in doing 45 million, no realtor. What? So I think it's a really refreshing kind of outlook to say, there's no right way to do it. Here's a thousand different ways. Throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, you kind of get, you know, a good range of different ideas from different people. You start trying that and, you know, see what happens. So what else do you hope that listeners take away from the podcast? Obviously, it's, you know, very educational. You know, what is your hope at the end of the day? So there's two facets to it. So we can start with the no guest, which is in the beginning of the first season where we talk about sales activities, activity management, what makes a successful agent, roadmap to building a healthy book of business. A big, big, big thing is transitioning into the broker space. So getting real life experience of what it's like to go from banker to broker and if it's the right fit for you. And providing all the tools to make up a high producing mortgage or sales professional because, you know, you don't know what goes up in somebody's mind. And you don't know if somebody in front of you wants to do $100 million. Like I often will sit in front of a brand new agent and in my head, I make the assumption, which is really, really silly of me, that they want to do 150 million, but some people want to do 25 million and go home at four o'clock and I respect it. And it took me a long time to really understand it. So taking all these tools, understanding the body in front of you and helping them get to that achievement has been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you know how many episodes you guys have done so far? I don't know, maybe like 18, something like that. Okay, and then cool. the second portion is with the guests. So we really want to focus on the guests and we really want to focus on their story. And, you know, I'm usually there cracking jokes and being silly while, you know, Paul's asking like the real 60 minute sure. questions. And we really want to understand what their value prop is. And I've taken away some really, really cool ideas just by doing the podcast that have elevated my own business 
So I have to say thank you to every single person that's taken out that 45 minutes to sit with us and record. And just so you guys know, everything's off the cuff. We have no scripts. We have no questions. We just record. And it's so fun, man. Like, Brandon, I know you're doing this now, and I think you're like 13 or 15 episodes already. And it's just a good time just to sit, talk, really learn about each other and give value to people. It is. I mean, in the guests that I've had on so far, it's been interesting because, you know, everybody has a little bit that's similar, but then a little bit that's not the same. And it's nice to hear different perspectives and how people got into the industry and, you know, how did they get to where they are today? And I think a lot of people who are listening are taking away a lot of good information to say, you know, we're talking with different people. This is how they did it. You know, maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe you're not in a similar situation, but whatever they're doing, maybe you start doing that and then you become successful. So I think at the end of the day for us, it's really, you know, really talking about the alternative mortgage industry, which is, you know, our bread and butter. It's what we, you know, do the majority of and trying to really help brokers that are either in the industry or looking to come into the industry and really, you know, position them well so that they understand alternative mortgages and they can succeed at the end of the day. You know, we want everybody to succeed in the industry, right? Totally. And just out of curiosity, what's been your favorite episode that you and Paul have recorded? So I have two, one from season one, one from season two. So my favorite one in season one is going to be the art of discipline, just because I think discipline is ingrained, but it can also be really undertaken if somebody really wants it. And I think discipline is something that has allowed me to be the agent that I am today. And in season two, because this has been a milestone since the day I started as a mortgage professional is the hundred million dollar club. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, at the end of the day, we just want to say thank you for obviously your support of home trust. We truly appreciate that partnership. I know, you know, you and Kelly have a really good relationship and, you know, you shout out Kelly earlier and Kelly is fantastic. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing your experiences, sharing your history, how you got to where you are today. Obviously you're doing a lot of things right. And, you know, the industry is starting to recognize that. So, you know, a big congratulations to you and everything that you've done so far. Obviously you're still very young and you got a long way to go as well but you know just i really appreciate you jumping on the podcast with us we truly appreciate it no thank you so much for having me i feel honored honestly i mean you know if i can share anything with anybody i'd be happy to do it and you know people call me from you know different brokers i'm more than happy to share because you know the people that hold back are the people that are afraid that somebody's going to take their lunch but there's so much business out there and you know it's true sharing is caring so thank you again for having me i love home trust very much i think i use home trust as one of my top alternative lenders just given, you know, the way you guys approach alternative lending, it's a yes approach as opposed to, you know, let me pick apart the file and see what's bad about it. Let's pick apart the file and see what's good about it. Right. And you guys really invest into your brokers. Like, you know, when I said I need a direct line to somebody, you said, Dan, this is what you need to do in order to get there. And we got there. You know, your executive team is the best, you know, usury ed. They come out, they talk to us. I can't thank you guys enough. Honestly, you guys are doing all the right things in the broker space to make the broker space what it needs to be today and what it needs to be in the future. So, you know, lots of love. And if anybody's listening that hasn't given Home Trust the chance, please do. You'll never regret it. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.